Welcome to Speaking Highly with John Huck. I am John Huck, and joining me as always, because he makes the wheels go, Indy Fawcett. How you doing, John? Good, buddy. How are you? Good. I am super excited for today. I mean, we got today is going to be great here. Yeah. And we're talking about the original cast, the first five years of SNL. And we're really focusing on one guy because he is the guest today. But I do want to talk about the show in general. But we have Garrett Morris as our guest. Um, Just a tremendous He's one of the original seven cast members what they called the not ready for primetime players was Jane Curtin, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, um, Chevy Chase, and Lorraine Newman, and Garrett Morris. So seven people. He was the la- Gilda Radner being the first one cast. Garrett was the last one cast, hired as a writer originally, and then became a cast member. <clears throat> Um, Talk about a seven it, to be a part of. Like that's I, so many it, heavy hitters it, there. Yeah, it's it's insane yeah. how talented that. I mean, first of all, this us covering the first five years of SNL has this is not any kind of a bash on anything that came after this. I, I am right. still a fan of yeah. Saturday Night Live. I I can't imagine when people really shit on the show. It makes me laugh because those people could never put out a live show every week no matter what right. the content yeah it's much easy less, it's easy to bash. much less make it funny yeah. much less make it funny much less make it funny so that all of america laughs at the same time <laughs> right. it's like you can't please you everybody can't yeah. <clears throat> but that show <clears throat> 1975 it ha- happened to have come out six months before i was born or after i was born so <clears throat> i was born then snl happened so i always look at like when SNL turned 40, I was turning 40. So I was like a bit, you know, it, it's a thing. My parents enjoyed the early stuff. It's all I because of you, John. And then <laughs> I made it happen. I made it happen. <laughs> but, but it really, the 90s was like my time for SNL. I went, uh, I had a friend who would record video, VHS record the episodes, and then we'd get drunk or high and watch them later and just laugh and laugh because that was Farley, Sandler, Spade. You know what I mean? The, oh, this yeah. This is like Phil Hartman, like, again, right. like, equatable that was the to down the, by the river cast. Era, right? God damn, Matt Foley, yeah. Chris Farley, <laughs> yeah. one of my favorites ever, dude. One of my favorites yeah. ever. Um, but the original cast, I mean, the stuff they did – uh, it, it, and we talk about this with Garrett. I ask him, uh, like how back then what it's like the difference and he rightfully so it's different. There's no reason to compare him. He says, it's like, um, why they didn't have any, they were doing something that was not comparable. The shows that came before SNL were things like Sid Caesar's show of shows. Like they were sketch shows, Jack Benny. Um, they had sketches technically. Um, but they weren't as biting or satirical or as current as SNL. SNL became something like you see it on the news on Tuesday, they're going to have a sketch for it on Saturday night, you know? Yeah. So, but but, but yeah, back then they didn't have, like it was growing its legs, right? Like they didn't, they didn't even know what the show was going to be until it, you know, that was just it, right? 
Yeah. They didn't. The first the first season was so it's so bizarre. They have like it's a mixture of sketches and puppets and short <laughs> films yeah. and like monologues and Andy Kaufman comes out and sings Mighty Mouse and it's like it was these things that you know, to Lorne Michaels' credit, he had seen out there in the world of comedy and then thought that he could give them a place to be, you know, and on national television, it's such an odd time slot to think about now, like, oh, 1130 on a Saturday. We don't watch TV like that now. We don't no. watch, We, you know, you know that if you miss SNL, you're going to watch all the clips on Hulu the next day. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. But back then, man, people gathered. You had to yeah. be at your TV. You had to watch it. Um, it like, again, it was, I, it was the beginning for me, it was the beginning of what appeared to be rock and roll comedy. You like, you can be like the blues brothers came out of SNL, the blues brothers. I love the movie. I love the music. I, you know, that came out of this, this, this comedians wanting to be rock stars. You know, it, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's always, I play right. the guitar. I've sang in bands. Same. I love that shit. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, it's just I don't want to lug my guitar or an amp or get a van or have to deal with other people's schedules. You need or, roadies you know. without having to do the work of actually earning roadies. <laughs> dude, you you're my roadie now. Here's the deal. Oh shit! So, I didn't... Oh, you, shit. Dude, you you drop off drives at my house. You brought the gear. Like the only reason we're doing this is because you know how this stuff works. It's like that uh, Tenacious D song, Roadie. Yeah. You make you make the, the podcast go. The D. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, the original cast, Lorraine Newman was from, uh, Los Angeles. She's the only one that was from California. The rest of them, Belushi is from Wheaton, Illinois, which is where basically I am from. We went to the same high school. <clears throat> My, uh, John Belushi, actually, uh, the story I was told punched a friend of mine's dad in the face when he made fun of Judy Belushi before they were married in high school. <laughs> oh my God. So my friend... I have a friend named Jason whose dad is no longer with us, but his claim to fame for a time for me was that he was punched in the face by John Belushi for mouthing off to his girlfriend. <laughs> what an accolade. Yeah, yeah, right? Uh, Jane Curtin is from Massachusetts. Dan Aykroyd is from Ottawa, Canada. Go Senators. Gilda Radner's from Detroit. Chevy, Chevy Chase is from Manhattan. Of course he is. Garrett Morris is from New Orleans. Lauren Michaels is from Toronto. Boo the Maple Leafs. Dick Ebersol is from Connecticut. He was a main producer on the show as well when it started. Of all those people, <clears throat> they're all from snowy areas, except for Lorraine Newman and Garrett Morris. I have a theory. It's unproved. Unproven? I have an unproven theory that started when somebody... Um, Talked to, I was talking to somebody at an airport bar. I said, I made a joke. He said, oh, basement humor. And I said, I thought he was talking shit to me. <clears throat> right. I'm like, wow, am I going to have to fight a dude at an airport bar now? <laughs> so I was like, what? And he goes, where are you from? And I go, I'm from Illinois. And he goes, right. What did you do in the winter? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you went to the basement, right? I'm like, well, a lot of times, because when you're hanging out in the basement with your friends, what do you do? You bust balls. You make fun of each other. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's like, so <clears> yeah, it wasn't true. a knock on you. You. It yeah, wasn't a knock yeah. on me. It was a. It was a. It was kind of when people are like, oh, there's so many comedians come from Chicago and Canada, and yeah. it's. I I believe that when you get together with your friends, given the right circumstance, you can laugh. 
pretty fucking hard at yeah. just making fun of each other. And from there, you can grow that in terms of your sense of humor, in terms of how you deliver your jokes, in terms of what works and what doesn't in your voice. Right. And no, I, I definitely, think that, yeah, I think the uh, the environment definitely shapes, you know, the not necessarily your personality, but I guess the energy levels. And I guess, you know, everybody's different. Obviously, like Garrett, yeah. like who's going to come out is extremely, you know, type A, but coming out of New Orleans. But, but like, I'm I'm definitely a proof case of this because I grew up in San Diego and I'm soft as soft as hell. So <laughs> I have no I'm like, yeah, yeah. do whatever you want. I don't have no San opinions, Diego. You know? <laughs> Dude, you're not allowed to. San Diego is like, yeah, sure, yeah, I guess, great. whatever. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Because you never had to be like, no, I'm not standing out here anymore because it's fucking freezing. Right, like, right. you've never been forced to smoke cigarettes outside when it was negative 20. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like it's like that Rush song, dude. Subdivisions. You ever heard that? Oh song? yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the basement bars, in the backs of cars. Hell yeah. Be cool or be cast out. Look, I watched that Rush documentary last night, and I am fucking <laughs> pumped for some Rush now. Um, and my buddy Tim used to always talk about this. We were very fortunate one night. One day, I was sitting around in our apartment. My roommate guy I moved out here with, a friend of mine. And he called me. He's like, hey, I got a call. A dude we knew, a mutual friend, was PAing some award show at the Gibson Amphitheater, which was 15 minutes from our apartment. And he was he called Tim to see if we wanted to meet Black Sabbath. And I, of course, want to meet Black Sabbath. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, this is the original the original lineup was playing this award show and they were doing a sound check while everyone was loading in that day. Wow. We went there. We were there in 20 minutes. I had on, the dude handed me a lanyard and a plate of bread and cheese. And I walked into the green room. And I was like, I have the bread and cheese. And Ozzy looked up. He was like, uh-huh. Oh. And then Tony, Tony was tuning his guitar. And I just stared at him. And he was like, okay. And then Kelly was, this is before the Osbournes was a yeah. show. Kelly was on the couch doing her homework. And, and Sharon was there helping wow. her. Wow. And, like, and the rest of the band, Geezer, they were all, the band was there in the room all together. And I just put the cheese thing on the bar. And then I just stood there. I go, do you guys need anything else? And they were like, Okay, thanks. And then I was like, I didn't want to leave the room, but I didn't want to say anything. I was just so uncomfortable. But after that, on that drive home after that day, because then we sat and watched them play Paranoid in an empty amphitheater with just the crew loading in and some random people that he knew. And we were just, they played the song four or five times. It was fucking awesome. Dude, it was awesome. And on the way home, my buddy Tim was like, this is the kind of stuff that will keep us going. Like these are the perks. Like we were PAs at the time, production assistants. We were making very little money doing un thankless work, working long hours. And all of a sudden we got to do that and it made everything prior to that worth it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Those that's that's what you're doing. Cause like, you know, you don't, you're not in this industry if you don't like it, you know? No. Like that, or, you know, if you're not getting you paid stay for something, you're getting paid for very little for something. You better like doing it, <laughs> or like you better and, and, like, uh, you know, enjoy those moments, right? Where you can be in an opportunity where you can be around those people, right? Enjoy yeah. the moments and don't let the money thing drive you because it's a bad drive yeah. Yeah. device. It's a bad thing to focus on, but. Um, but anyway, our Patreon you do need it to survive. Is, no, I'm just yeah, I got it, dude. I get it. I want to run an idea for you, but That's Patreon, later. but later. But yeah, um, but that kind of perk is what I equate to meeting Garrett Morris was for me. Um, Brian Irwin, who I hosted a show called the Hollywood Anonymous podcast AJ. with, 
Yeah, H-A. It, if, if you're still online, and I'm going to encourage people to go and check out episode 110, because that's we only did like 199 episodes, but 110 was the Garrett Morris episode. He came to Brian's house, and the three of us sat down and just shot the shit for like two hours. That's so cool. I've met, I met Garrett before that through Brian at his comedy, at Garrett's comedy club downtown, which when <laughs> I call it a club and people, I think assume, Oh, comedy club, there's money coming in. I'm talking <laughs> exposed wiring. Um, I'm talking like, it looked like a coffee bar that had shut down and been boarded up and that we snuck into to do comedy in. But, um, I Squatting met Garrett, comedy. dude, basically <laughs> I met Garrett through Brian Irwin at his comedy club and honestly it took me going up one time for Garrett to come up to me afterwards and go dude funny like come back anytime anytime you want a spot let me know and he was true to that I mean Kevin his assistant and co-owner of the club um was also super kind to me and and did the phoning and let me when I call they call Kevin not Garrett but um but it was just it was just one of those things like I'm like I fucking now I'm friends with Garrett Morris and like it's just such a bizarre it's it's the thing that it's it's the thing that keeps you doing the thing man right. it's it's, like, it's um, years and years of of another stepping stone another stepping stone another stepping stone you know and then eventually you look back and you're at a summit even though there's multiple summits ahead of you to go you yeah. know you still can look back and go wow okay let's it's, keep going let's keep going on this path yeah, it really is about the journey yeah. and the people and the things you get to do and the people you meet along the way. And you're, I want to, I don't, I want to say don't, don't focus so much on arriving, but you are arriving at every moment, yeah. at every second, and just take note of that and don't think about I gotta get somewhere because as you're living your life, that's when life happens, right. not when you get somewhere. Yeah, you know? well, fear, so, yeah, fear and doubt is based in past or present, right? In the moment, you're fine. It's just yep. you're thinking about the that, future or what might happen, or you think about the past of what already happened, and you might think it happened again. It's all in the present. If you just get quiet, you're fine. Boom, you know? that is 100% accurate. Think about, if you're ever stressing, think about where you are in, in the moment. Are you in any danger? Are you in? Is it? Are you being crushed by? A and if piano? you are, then that's then you're right to feel that. Way. Act, act, <laughs> right. do something, yeah. fix the situation. <laughs> My God, man. But but Garrett, but I just want to say that that meeting Garrett, it's like it's one of those things that that is never going to be something that I take lightly or think. Oh, oh well, God. that was weird. It just it it means a lot to be able to like I to call him and go, hey man, I got a podcast. Even though I explained the podcast to him. Then he agreed to do it. Then he comes on and in the interview goes, what the fuck is this? What are we doing? <laughs> well, <that's laughs> he has no idea. It's great. Dude, it's, he's it, definitely, it definitely yeah. is. It definitely is. Um, his his credits, I mean, we're going to get back into SNL. His credits, like we talk about Cooley High from 1975, Car Wash, 1976, and then everything on TV, man. Different Strokes, The Jeffersons, New Scooby-Doo, Murder, She Wrote, Hill Street Blues, It's Your Move with Jason Bateman, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, The Love Boat, wow. and then he was in Critical Condition with Richard Pryor, which we talk yes. about 227 who's the boss married with children he was sporty james on the show hunter which is my favorite character he did um he was in the movie coneheads he was coneheads. on er yes. the waynes brothers martin jamie fox show according to jim macgyver from 2018 not the original and then two broke girls is where people might know him two from broke girls wow he's on that too yeah he was like one of the main guys on there so 
just just a career. And the people he knows, man, he mentions Bill Duke in the interview. We don't get into it, but Bill Duke is, I don't know if you've ever no, seen that. No, I haven't heard in, of him. Bill Duke, he's in Predator. Look him oh, up. Okay. He is he is the guy, you, you've seen him in everything. But Bill Duke, I met Bill Duke through, he can't, would come to the club and watch us do comedy. It, I'm like, the dude from oh, Predator is guy. watching me do yeah. comedy and then like Garrett Morris is sitting there and then Ad, you're talking to him afterwards. Wow. Like, this is fucking insane. That is insane. It's, just, it's, very, it's very entertaining and it's very fun. And again, Bill Duke, nice guy. At this point in Garrett's life, my guess is he doesn't associate with assholes. Meaning he's he's had to do that in the past. He's been admittedly he's been an asshole in the past, and that's well. That, I think you know? you know also like in the interview you'll see you know like I think he's you know uh, an incredibly wise guy you know with his age because like yeah. even like when you ask him the question of like is it better is it different you know like for SNL back then as opposed to SNL now he was very wise and, and about his reaction because he's like you know a few years ago ten years ago I may have said oh it sucked but you know whatever the new stuff sucks but like now you know it it, it, it does nothing to say it's bad or good they're different things right then i think that's they're like different. a very uh, uh advanced you know human to even be able yeah. to stop themselves from even saying the first reaction that they have you know <laughs> yeah. yeah i will say i will say that my my big regret now in, in hindsight is not asking him more about the musical guests on the show yeah but, but hey, snl premiered your episode <laughs> yes, well, definitely. He's a guy we could have back sure. over and over again. Um, SNL premiered October eleventh, nineteen seventy-five. Again, six months before I was after I was born. Um, George Carlin was the first host. Billy Preston and Janice Ian were the first musical guests, and it was originally called Saturday Night because Howard Cosell had a show with the title Saturday Night Live. Mm. Um, as soon as that was canceled, they took the name. NBC changed it. Uh, in the first five years, hosts included, let's see, Carlin, Lily Tomlin, Richard Pryor, who was the only one to ever be on a delay, uh, Buck Henry, Desi Arnaz, Lucille Ball's husband, uh, Ron Nesson, Madeline Kahn, Elliot Gould, Eric Idle from Monty Python, Steve Martin, and Buck Henry again, Paul Simon, Candace Bergen, Steve Martin again, Jack Burns, Buck Henry again, Steve Martin, Charles Grodin, wow, Buck man. Henry, Steve Martin. We just have Robert to have Klein. an episode of the Steve Martin appearances Dude. with Garrett. Like that would have been that. Those probably are interesting stories too. Very interesting, just yeah. because he's Steve Martin. Right. Um, I didn't know this, but Bill Murray came to SNL through the cast or through the writing department of that Howard Cosell show. I I didn't know that, but that makes sense to me because Bill Murray is a sports nut. Um, like we were talking about in the beginning, it was more of a variety show, puppets. Jim Henson was doing things on there. Albert Brooks was making short films. Um, they had a news segment. It combined everything, like current events with puppets and rock and roll. And it was just, I think they tried to make it super well-rounded at first, yeah. you know? Um, Gilda Radner was the first one hired. Uh, writers yeah i mean that, that that's the first hire and garrett was the last one hired um again he was hired as a writer his story is interesting i did not realize um i knew he was a playwright he talked to me about that before i didn't realize that the play that got him the writing gig on snl is the same play he's editing now which is fascinating wow. to me that's um, insane that's awesome and, and yeah and it's also i think people don't might not know this about garrett in particular but he like sings he's a singer oh wow he has an album out yeah he has an album out um I have to look that he, up. 
I think his, I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, my mother-in-law, I took my wife and my mother-in-law to a show I was doing at one of Garrett's uh, rooms and Bill Duke was there and my wife's mom brought a record. She had a Garrett Morris record and he, she's like, I was like, Hey man, you want to sign this? And he goes, Oh, what the fuck? He got, he was like, Oh God, he was like all embarrassed That's by funny. it. Like, <laughs> Cause he's like, kind of looks like suave. On the yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. That's hilarious. But yeah, it was just really funny. This and now we're getting into it. It's like, yes, this is about SNL in the first five years, but it's also this is a celebration of Garrett Morris essentially yeah. because I mean, this dude has he was to me tragically underused on SNL. Yeah. I think we kind of find out that he might have had that something to do with that. You know what I mean? He could his own worst enemy type deal, yeah. which I, I can relate to. I can relate yeah. to. Um trying to think uh i think i like, think yeah. it you know it speaks for itself i think it's gonna be a fun interview yeah. it really does and 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 when you're done watching this or even before whatever go ahead and check out hollywood anonymous episode 110 with me yep. and brian Irwin, and you'll get even more of the garrett morris story but like you said indy i think we can have him back over and over yeah. again uh so guys please enjoy my conversation with garrett saturday night live legend garrett morris Yeah, hello. Hey, Garrett. Yeah, uh, who, who the fuck is this other guy here? Indy. Indy 500? Yeah, Indy, uh, John, uh, can I ask you a question? Of course. Get out of the night. Uh, by the way, peep in, Andre. Peep in. Hey. This is my nephew. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember. I used to see you all the time. Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, good to see you, good to see you dude. Uh, I'm in elementary school when it comes to computers. Oh. I would not be talking to you right now were it not for my nephew. Well, if I didn't have Indy, I wouldn't be able to do this either, man. Uh, and let me ask you guys before we start, because if you answer wrong, I may not do this. Will this be seen in Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Texas, or Florida? <laughs> we, we do have listeners in those areas. Yeah. They got bo they got bolos out for me in all those states. They got what? So don't recall bolos. Bolo, you know what a bolo is, you jailhouse motherfucker. Tell it, tell it, tell it what a bolo what, is. What is 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 it? A A P P. Okay, John. a bolo, an all points bulletin. Okay, John, all right. You're, you're in the graduating class at Folsom Prison. I know you know what a bolo is. I have never done more than twenty five hours in a jail. Okay, all that's right. all. Okay. <laughs> I, I did more than that, but I, hey, I, I get it. I get it. I've only, but I've only been in and out. I never had a a bolo on me, if you will. I, w I did a weekend in uh, New York. In New York. Oh, see? Yeah, yeah. If, if you have to go in, you want to go in in like a small town where there's like you yes. and like one other guy. Well, actually, I was lucky because when I came out Monday, uh, guess what I saw? <sighs> what? A black judge. Ooh, there you go. 19 1958. Yeah. Oh, 1958. And, he, uh, and he, was a, he was an activist and my ass didn't get shit. <laughs> Oh, that's that's great though, man. I mean, there yeah, there yeah. had to have been a lot of, I mean, I feel like there's probably still a lot of that today. Just like, as a black person looking out for another black person, like I don't. You you aren't actually you aren't looking at TV or reading. Yes, there's a lot of that today. Trayvon Martin on up. Come on. Well, no, I just I just mean like, 
Yes, I, I mean, obviously that, but I mean... Black judges? Black, black judges, judges, just black people in general. Like, if you're, like, I don't know, I just feel like... They're here, they're here, John. They're here. Matter of fact, I got a couple in my family right now. My nephew, my niece, my two nieces. They're judges? Indy, Indy, I'm fucking with <laughs> By the way, what am, what is this for? What am, this, is this, this is my new. You're not a white supremacist. You're not a white supremacist in disguise. I, <laughs> in disguise. First of all, this would be a. Get names. This would basically names, be man. this. I mean, this is the disguise of a white supremacist. The fact that I look like this hinders me when no, I go actually, out. Actually, actually, I know about you. I know you're the opposite, but you sure look. I like know. It, okay? I know. I know. Do when I go and do like when I when when the, when the insurrection was happening, I say. Damn, that's John. Dude, Damn, that's John. Damn, that's John. I, dude, I looked. I looked for the. I looked for people with red hair, and I saw. I saw very few full, legitimately red-haired people during that. Right, and I, and that, I was like, nah, "All right, good. Okay, all right. See, we're not all crazy." Right, right, right. right. But that lady who's uh, now the uh, uh, she talks for, for uh, Biden. Her name is Jen Psaki. Oh, the pre is she the press? Um, yeah. yeah, got great. Man. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, red hair, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what you want to do. To well, her. I know. What you want I, to I love her just because she talks and answers questions and has a demeanor that really? isn't really well. Just because she talks. Okay. No, well, compared to the last, the last woman that was in there, the things that she said, Thank how you. she dealt with the Thank press, like th that wasn't. Oh my God! Thank you. Just to get somebody who talks facts. Yeah. Who talks like they're a human being? Answers the questions. Attack, yeah, right. Doesn't attack the press. God. I mean, that's. And she's running. By the way, she's running for governor. You know in that, Arkansas, right? right? Hell, <laughs> boy, John John McCain. By the way, he was a conservative, but I loved his ass, right? Yeah. And that in his state, his state got to deal with people like this woman, maybe becoming governor. Boy, that's a shame. Yeah, that's a shame. yeah. But are you, I mean, do you, do you see a light at the end of the tunnel after the last four years? Yeah, but the tunnel is like light years away, man. Yeah. Look, because when people, um, you know, with the Republicans playing hardball all the time and, and the Democrats always trying to be moral and ethical. <laughs> yeah. Come it's, on, it's, it's, yeah, it's like Look, you won't it, play it, by the same, they're not playing the same game. If I deal with a guy who for four, for a whole year, didn't let a guy nominate somebody to the Supreme Court because they were waiting for the next president. Right. And then within three weeks of an election. Pushed one through. Allowed a person through. That's hard. Well, that ain't, that's like cement ball. Yeah, yeah. That's what that it's is. beyond. It's beyond. It. And then, and everyone wants to be like, "Well, it's time to move on and move forward and forgive." And for, it's like we gotta really <laughs> gotta make people pay really? the price here, guys. <laughs> really, a guy goes in and saying, "Hang, uh, uh, where's no? Did they say hang Prince? Or where? They were gonna. They, they were. Hang, they were either gonna hang Prince or they were yeah, looking for him Prince, or decapitate him or. And, it, and, and, they, and they want to shoot and rape, I guess. Uh, um, Nancy Pelosi, she's about eighty now, right? I, honestly, I don't know, but uh, politicians—it's—they—they they, some of them age more, and some of them, like if she's eighty, she doesn't look white eighty. White people, white people. Okay, look, 
uh, what's her name? Cicely Tyson just died at 96. R.I.P. Her face Dude. looked like she could have been at least 60. Dude, she looked younger than 60. Right. I've seen, I I felt, right. I looked at her and I was right. like, if I stood next to her, people would go, oof, when's John going to go? <laughs> I mean, she... It's that melanin. You got to get melanin in that. <laughs> yeah, I've got, yeah. I got some freckles, but it doesn't quite do the, it doesn't quite do the job. Um... <laughs> So what what is, what is your what is this this, this is my new podcast this on. is my new podcast it's yes. called speaking highly and what we do is oh uh, uh hold on speaking of high okay here we uh, go hey <laughs> hey you got that joint I gotta be high no that's joint. not what that's <laughs> oh I'm sorry. <laughs> You said speaking. Yes, because what we do is we speak highly. We celebrate everybody and anything that gives, that brings, uh, makes the world a more positive, inspirational, and entertaining place to live. But in case you're recording this without my permission, we, <laughs> I let people know that I think you're a brilliant comedian, right? And no matter what you look like, you haven't been to jail. You haven't. Well, you're a law-abiding citizen, I, as, right? Now, yeah. it's not that you don't have warrants and should have been in jail, right? But you're just a law-abiding citizen. You're beautiful. I was going to say, but I have had warrants. Now, yeah. Now, now, when people find out that I actually bought an Esso, they'll question my taste. Bought, bought a what? You don't know what an Esso. You don't know what you so young. You don't know what an Esso was. Indeed, you know what an Esso was. That was Ford's one-year car. One year that failed. Oh, really? Yeah, it was called, it was called Edsel. Yes, it was named after Edsel Ford, and it was so bad it lasted for one year. What was what was the make of the car? What was the? Hold on. You're gonna, dr you're gonna on. drive it into okay, frame. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> What are we speaking uh, highly about? Well, I see you got Laurel and Hardy behind you. Yeah, yes, yeah, I got Laurel and Hardy. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have Red Fox and Slappy White, I know. I don't have any Red Fox. I got Pryor uh, above me, but... All right. Hey, the number one monologuist of my life. Richard Pryor? Richard Pryor, And yes. you, and this is from coming... I don't know that people know this about you, but you were a playwright. Like, you wrote a lot of plays. Is that correct? I am a playwright, Still. yes. As a matter of fact, I'm rewriting, uh, uh, re-editing something that me and Bill Duke a long time did a long time ago called The Secret Place. It's about a cop who infiltrates a uh, black revolutionary group and gets killed uh, in the process. Is it is it based on uh, any any uh, is it based on a true story? Actually, I forgot the guy's name, but there was a black cop. A whole lot of black cops were uh, sent by the police to infiltrate. Uh, black revolutionary groups, and this one was was made while it was in uh, Black Panthers, and he had to go around the country hiding, and uh, and this was in like the 60s, right? So I was in my 30s at the time, and I figured that guy was about 30. He was born like me in the country when he was a kid. Black men were being lynched every week, and that's the truth. Yeah. Okay, in Louisiana, Georgia, Mississippi. Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, North Carolina, so, and sometimes in the North, you had every week a story about a black, black guy getting lynched. So my thing was, if he went through that experience and he's now infiltrating for white cops, what is he yeah. what's going on in his head, right? 
So my story is about nightmares he was having back and forth until the end of it. Anyway, it's, that's what it's about. Wow. Uh, a black cop who um, um, uh, called him the death, because in, in, in infiltrating that group, which I, not, I don't call them the Black Panthers, I call them the Young Lions. Oh, in the, in the in play. Group, in the play or, yeah, in the okay. Play, they call them the Young Lions. And in the performance of his duties, he caused the death of one of the guys in the Young Lions. And he has nightmares about it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, and you. This is written in like 1969. Wait, this. You wrote this in 1969 and you're rewriting it now? Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm, re -edit I'm editing it. I'm not rewriting well, it. Well, editing, editing it. Sorry. You're meaning you're editing. Well, look, what's going on right now? What's going on is basically the same kind of thing. I mean you that know? that you could you could technically make a movie about that very thing right now. You could. Right, right now you could. As a matter of fact, you know, infiltrating by cops, you know, it's going on right now. That's what not only January sixth in, in the Black Lives Matter. But also in those white groups, the KKK has a white cop right now, like you, getting information for the FBI. Yeah, yeah, it's a, we know that's true. yeah, of course. I mean, they, that was what I mean. You saw Black Klansman, right? Yes, I yeah, did. yeah, yeah. Yes, Do you I like did. that movie? Yeah, yeah. I, like yeah, that movie I thought it was great. I thought everyone did a great job. But that is based on that kind of thing. I'm getting high. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Hey, it's it's California, everybody. Yeah. Now, what is Indy to you? He's your nephew, your son. <laughs> your yeah. Indy is the guy who basically he's the producer of the show. He does all the. Oh, hi, Indy. Nice <laughs> <to> you, <right? laughs> Garrett's like, oh, he's I, a, a I, producer, you say? I, I question your taste in friends, but other than that. Now, Indy basically came to me and wanted to know if I wanted to start a podcast. Brian, as you know, Brian Irwin. Oh, uh, yeah. We uh, we had to stop doing we stopped doing we didn't have to we stopped doing Hollywood Anonymous. Is Brian, how's Brian doing? Is he still teabagging his kids? Uh, not on purpose, no, not on purpose. Okay, but okay. for anyone, you know, about that I was going to say you know? anybody who's just yeah. joining us, please understand that this is based on Brian Irwin's stand-up material, and Brian Irwin doesn't actually teabag his children. Just so we could clear that when up. I first heard it. I just laugh. I was like. Dude, you what? dude, I can't tell you how amazing it was because Brian is how we met. Brian introduced me to you. And for, right, sure and did, for sure that, did. I will always be grateful. And the idea that, same here, bro, same here. And the idea that when we we would come down and do spots at your club downtown in L.A. And just the fact that it wasn't just your club and you collected money from it and stood in the back or never showed up like you were always there. Like what money? that was an expensive <laughs> hobby, motherfucker. Well, when people when years, people hear this, years, they're gonna hear club. Helping, Eleven years of helping comedians pay their rent, and I was broke as Job's turkey when that finally ended. No, I loved every minute of but, it. Indy, I loved every minute of it. But hearing you laugh at our jokes when they were funny or when they got laughs from you was always amazing. You know what I mean? It was well, I you know I I learned from you guys because I had the reputation of a comedian because I was an actor who was in a comedy show, but I was not a comedian. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, uh, no, I wasn't. I wanted to talk. Uh, Eddie is a comic, comic genius. Chris is a comic genius, but I'm a comic pretender. Well, I mean, you're not a pretend. In the world of stand-up, I, I still wouldn't call you a pretender. You, you've you got chops. I mean, you're funny. You, 
Uh, and you didn't have any problem. You would do pretty good when you got up learned, on stage. As a matter of fact, I learned from you guys just to have a conversation with the audience. Don't try to be funny. Just have a conversation and funny will come up. Well, when it's, when it's someone like you, for sure. You know, I mean, that's just kind of just in regular conversation. That's how you are. But you say that you, you weren't a comedian. You didn't come from a place of comedy. Um, I basically wanted to talk to you about SNL and just getting in there as as someone who didn't wasn't right out of Second City, didn't come from Canada, wasn't in Chicago, wasn't, um, you know, they all came from well, snow covered areas for the most part. Well, I came from New Orleans. Ain't no snow. Yeah. There. Matter of fact, the one year in 1952, they had snow, little bitty flakes. It was a headline in the newspaper. I bet. You can hardly see this. Yeah. Right. People were crashing but cars. No, I and... taught my workshop. <laughs> taught my workshops. It wasn't that I didn't have a history in uh, um, a, um, um, an improvisational workshop. I did, but it was one of those workshops in the black community in the hood. Okay. So we were improvising about real stuff. We improvised about um, teen pregnancy, about cop brutality, about poverty, and about the white man and what he had done, right? So my improvisational skill went from hate whitey to kill whitey. That's about it. Okay? Well, you, but when you say improvisational that's skills. My best joke, John. That's my best <laughs> motherfucking jokes. I didn't see no laugh whatsoever. Just... Anyway, anyway, hate whitey to kill, kill whitey. I thought that was funny. It but is funny. It is funny. John, <laughs> now, hey, too late, too late. John and Gil particularly, uh, those guys were just masters at it, man. Because SNL, SNL uh, um, Second City taught you comedy for what I call one to a hundred. You could really get in there and just be, be funny without even thinking about it. Particularly uh, 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 Gilda, who was just, oh. To this day, I marvel. You never knew she was working. You know what I mean by that, right? Yeah, yeah. You, she you she didn't seem way. on, but you were always laughing at what she was doing and what she was saying. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. She was the first uh, one cast, right, on SNL. She was the, Gilda was right. the first I one. So. Yeah. And I was the last one. And I got in, uh, not as a uh, comedian, I got in as a writer. Uh, because the play I talked about, The Secret Place, when uh, Lauren yeah. came to New York City, went to New York City, he was a black writer too. So the word got around and I went with my play and he read the play and for some odd reason, maybe because he had bad taste, he said, <laughs> I want you. Well, right? also, wait, so that's the same play you're so, rewriting now uh, or editing now, the same play you're editing right. now. Wow. Right, right. So I got in as a writer and um, really for like, the four months or so before we actually opened, I had no ideas whatsoever. I kept looking for a funny idea, and I had none whatsoever. And the word got around, and Ann Beats, who was the head writer, and Al Franken, who was the head next head, began to say, get rid of this motherfucker. Because you hadn't right. written anything? Right, right. So one time I was um, in Nola Studios. You ever been to New York City? I have. It's on 57th Street. Okay. Right? Now, uh, SNL was on uh, on 49th Street and 6th Avenue. So we used to rehearse in those studios. 
And one time it came to me, I did have a great idea because in the play, the black group jokes about how little money they get is the whole fundraising with all black people, as opposed to fundraising with just a few white people, right? And they credited that to white guilt. So they would joke about how white guilt got them a lot of money. Well, I said, ah, oh, that's my idea, right? So I'm in all the studios for two hours later. I go back to 8H, and you know who has the idea and writing it? Al Franken. Same. He got, he got it from Tom Schiller. I don't know if you know, but um, Tom Schiller's father was a writer for um, uh, I Love Lucy. I think oh, wow. Bob right. So Tom had given the idea to Al, and Al just took it and wrote it like it was his own. Didn't give me credit at all. Wow. Right? And later on, I had to do it. But meanwhile, I'm stewing like a motherfucker, right? And I'm the only black guy there. So I had about a week to think whether I would pull what they expect of black guys and that is go crazy on the motherfucker. So finally, I decided when I go to work this summer, tell this motherfucker he stole my idea. And if it comes to fisticuffs, we're going to get into it. Now, at the same time, I knew that Al was a wrestling champ from Harvard. Did you know? I that? didn't know he was a wrestler. No, I, did yeah, not I, I knew that then. I, but I was mad. I'm five foot six at the time. I was maybe five foot eight, and he has about forty pounds on yeah. me. So I know my ass is going to get. That'd be a great so pay-per-view fight now. I, I was so mad, I didn't give a shit. Yeah. I wanted to give him a couple of weeks, hurt him, and then let him hurt me. I got back to work that day, and Jesus, you, you're a Christian? You're a Christian? Not necessarily, no. I'm a, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Buddhist, but I may see Jesus within the plans. Because when I got there, somebody came and said, hey, Garrett, Lauren wants to see you in the green room. So I called the green room, and Lauren, Gilda, John, Lorraine, and Jane are looking at the movie I made called Cooley High. Yeah, 1975. There's a deal. One of my duties was to get black people to audition because John not only uh, not only wanted a black writer, he wanted a black member of the not ready for primetime players. So I was trying to lose the guy. Here's what I mean. You know who Oba Babatunde is? A what? A what? A He's a, Oba Babatunde is an Emmy winner. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had him come and audition. I'm trying to lose the motherfucker, right? Uh, there was a woman, Trezana Beverly, who was a Tony Award winner. I had her come and audition. I'm trying to lose it, right? Meaning you're trying to get someone to replace you at this point. At this point, I, had, I wasn't figuring. In other words, I wasn't being considered, except that I didn't know what was going on in the green room. That woman was going on in the green room. They had told Lauren, say, you got this guy beating other people. He's an actor. Look at his movie. So that's what Lauren was doing, but I didn't know that. Gotcha. So when the movie was over, Lauren said to me, Garrett, I want you to audition for Not Ready for Prime Prime Players. So I auditioned with Gilda, thank God, because I'm a counterpuncher when it comes to improv, right? She was a boom, yeah. boom. And, she was, and our assignment was, I was supposed to be a taxi driver. She is a um, passenger from a plane ride to JFK. She's on a taxi ride from JFK to New York City. So you know what taxi drivers do? Chat? They No, they drive you wherever they want to drive you. <laughs> they screw you out of money by so taking you the long way. 
that's what I'm doing, and they're falling out only because I'm a straight man and Gil is giving me shit, right? So sure enough, after that, um, um, I that's when I was hired to do be the Matt Renfrew Brown Brown player. Wow, what I saw you have a screen test online where you start with a fart. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. It's like uh, there's the green screen behind you and you're looking at the camera and it just says the label on, on YouTube is, um, you know, Garrett Morris's SNL um, uh, screen test. And it's like you're literally sitting there and then there's a fart and you don't even acknowledge. You just kind of eyeball the camera and then you <laughs> just keep going. And you're like, OK. <laughs> and I, I mean, yeah, bring our shit like that, dude, man. I thought I was here for hey. you. Fart. I am, dude. Farts are always going to be funny to me. You talking about farted? I do remember that. Yes, it, it came out. I'm sorry. It's got more room out than in. Okay. And I figured, hey, this is comedy. Let it. Hey, out. I mean, look, the screen test was great. Was that Dan Aykroyd? He was supposed to come out for that, and like you guys. Uh, I I remember. I don't remember the. The particulars of it, but I remember me and Dan doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just there's so much going on back then. The fact that you can even remember the, you know, any of it is impressive to me. I can barely remember last week, you know. I remember the fart pot, John. <laughs> well, you can't forget that. That's farting. is. You can't forget a fart. Farting is classic. So they read your play. They hired you as a writer. They see Cooley High. They hire you as an actor. No, not they. They, they, not they. Lauren, Lauren. read the play, hired me. Then I think together, um, the other group influenced them to let me audition, and I became a not very friend. Were you? Are there? Are th I might say. I might say, throughout the five years I was there, I did a lot of things that he should have fired me for, but he never did. Uh, let's. Well, we'll get to that because that to me is kind of um, a sign of the times you were living in when you were doing all that shit you weren't supposed to be doing. Mean, meaning if you tried that shit today on the show, you would be canned immediately. You wouldn't even be hired if they knew that's how you behaved. But back then, that behavior didn't stop Lauren. I mean, it wasn't like people didn't know Belushi was a little bit wild. He was hired almost, be, I mean, yes, talented, but his, yeah, his yeah. wildness was what made him, uh, you know, a, a commodity. It made people excited. And I, I, I don't know about him, but there was some objection to me throughout the show. But Lauren seemed to be the kind of guy, if he hired you, he'll fire you. Yeah, especially <laughs> then, yeah. Yeah, which I appreciate it. Uh, but to this day, I appreciate the fact that he was patient with me because I recognize that a whole lot of stuff I did, um, I won't say I'm, I don't like to say I regret any part of my life, but that's what I was then. And he, um, he accepted it. Yeah, when you say you don't regret, it's it's because like if you're like me, I think there are things I look at and I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that, or maybe that was a mistake. But yeah, I shouldn't have done but that. It, but it, done that, but, but those things led you to where you are now. You know what I mean? It's like, right. And to say that I wasn't 100 percent in it is what you mean, sort of, when you say I regret. No, I was on cocaine. And I was 100 percent in there. Yeah. You know, I don't blame it even on cocaine because cocaine is a choice. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I was not the what, most pleasant guy to be around. When did that? When did part of it had to do? Part of it had to do with what Al had done because what he did um, caused me not to have any writing credits. So in fact, when Lon put me on the not ready for primetime players, it was like an agreement between him and the forces that be that either you get rid of him. Or you hire, and he hired me. So when he hired me, 
he canceled out my writing credit. So although I wrote later on, I never got writing credit. And one of the things that pissed me off was that was the year, I don't know if it was the only year, but the year in which Saturday Night Live was in fact nominated and they all got Emmys and I don't have one. You know, although my idea, the White Guilt Release Fund, you can check it out right now on YouTube. It's there. Uh, was the funniest things that, that year. Uh, and that was, you said that was your last season? That, or was that the first season that it was nominated? First season was no, nominated, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, that the Emmy thing is such a weird, um, like when you really get into it, like who gets them and who doesn't. And just because a show wins doesn't mean like there's no production assistants walking around with Emmys. You know what I mean? And those guys are no. the backbones of the right. whole thing. It's like, right, right. You know, it, it's it's rough. You know, I've 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 kind of seen that uh, a little bit firsthand with some friends, just like being just just to the left of the people that receive the award. You know what I mean? It's like, like oh. Like, like if you get an Emmy for this, Indy ain't gonna get no credit whatsoever. <laughs> I'll say, if I if it. I get an Emmy for yeah. this podcast, I'll yeah, I'll right. give it to M I'll give it to Indy. He can have it. Um but you see when did the when did that kind of like you said it started with Al Franken, you were bitter right away almost. I mean, it was like he he takes your idea yes, and you're yes, immediately I was, and I was pissed. I was bitter for quite a while because I was still in a kind of mentality about white liberals, okay? Um, and there was a way in which I looked at him, particularly since he was a Jew, in a certain kind of liberal way. And it really was opening my eyes, you know, not as if some other stuff hadn't happened, but, um, you know, I came from a, uh, my history in New York includes um, um, lobbying for the desegregation of access equity of after and SAG along with Jews, right? So my first experience was we worked together. Wow, so right? you helped so lobby you not, to get- You may not, you, yeah, you may not know it. SAG was, was segregated. After it was segregated, and actually it was segregated. What right? year was this? In the, in the 60s. God oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. Even SAG? Yeah, yeah. Hell, hell yeah. You, by that I mean it was unofficial, yeah. right? Because there was literally nobody who had a card who was black. Uh, maybe maybe City Poitiers, maybe. But other than that, you had 99% white uh, in all of the union. So wow. uh, we, we marched for at least a year to desegregate them. And finally they got a black, Actors' Equity hired its first, had its first black president, Fred Wilkerson, I think was the name. Uh, but that's how the desegregation of those unions happened, right? They were, they were basically 99% white. Oh man, I, I didn't even realize I'm, I'm that. Getting back, I'm getting back to the Jew thing. That is my experience was that we all work together. No, we are equally being affected by a fucked up citizen. Uh, uh, even though you're a white Jew, that shit coming at you too. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. They were besides, they were facing you know prejudice on a regular sign, basis. The, yeah. The sign says no Negroes, no Jews, no Irishmen. That's what the signs used to say. Okay, so it wasn't as if he didn't understand. We had a mutual understanding of who the the enemy really is. Well, I not those signs. I understand no Irishmen. I can see that why you wouldn't want them in your establishment in general, <clears throat> but. <clears throat> the rest of it is disgusting to me. <clears throat> well, well okay, you said about Irishmen, but I'm a guy who's known a couple of Irish ladies, okay? I will not be, now I'm 83, 
But I look back. No, I wouldn't take it against them at all. <laughs> well, that's that's first of all good for you for getting involved and in taking. I mean, you clearly wanted to make things better. You know, when you lobby to do stuff like that, you know, get rid of segregation on any level, you have a mindset of wanting to change the well, system. Well, we marched. We marched. We marched. It was uh, a combination of blacks, whites, um, Jews, um, uh, Asians, and Latinos. Raul Julia. Raul Julia was one of wow. the people. Who, yeah, he was among us. Yeah. Wow. Dude. Yeah. That's crazy. That's historic. You know what I mean? That's really, uh, that's really interesting. So... Oh, and he just, she just died. Oh, shook. She played Rhoda? Rhoda. Rhoda. Who played Rhoda? Oh, um, you know what I mean? Cl not Cloris Leachman. Um, no, no. Ah, oh, she just died. Rhoda oh, is... Um, oh, shucks. I'll take it. Not yeah. Mary Tyler oh, Moore. What? Who's Rhoda? The late, the, yeah, I didn't mean... She was uh, Mary Tyler Moore's best friend in the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. I will think of it before it's over. Okay. Not B. Arthur. She, That's Maude, right? No, no, no. Uh, Sorry, all white ladies look alike to me. <clears throat> okay, well, you said it. You said it. <laughs> well, so, uh, well, well, we can move on. But <clears throat> excuse me. But you're, you're, you get to SNL and you have that mindset of <clears throat> we are working together. Like we, we can do this. And you went in there. I'm guessing. And that was another thing that really fucked me up about what he did. Yeah, just having. Yeah. Having that he didn't come and say, uh, look, Tom gave me this idea that you had. I'm working on it. He could he he was a he was a assistant head writer. He could have said, look, I'm taking, I'm writing it, and I'll give you credit. He could have said that. Yeah. Right? He could have said, check it out, see what you think. He didn't say that. Do you think that speaks to even then, <clears throat> because you hear about it now a little bit, and I guess maybe even more so in the nineties, but you have to get ideas on the air. And if you don't, oh, yeah. there's you're you're not on the show. Don't talk to nobody about it. Don't talk so, to nobody. So so him taking your thing was could have been a, a week of him going, I don't have fucking anything to, this week. I right, got right. I'm the matter head fact, writer. Like matter of fact, um Tom Davis, whom I love, and he were having trouble with Franklin and Davis, right? So yeah, that might have been it. Yeah. That might have been it. I got no got this one. Yeah, might I read I don't know if you read Tom Davis's book, Thirty Nine Years of Short Term Memory Loss. No, I didn't. I should I should I should it's on you can I listened to it. Um a comic Paul Morrissey recommended it because it had a lot of Grateful Dead stories, but what a tremendous okay. talent Tom Davis was. I mean What wow, fantastic man. Beautiful really man. seemed like such a good guy and really just funny and by all accounts an enjoyable person to be around, which I had a magazine I was trying to publish, and before it got on, he uh, promised to write a piece for it and did. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Huh. But I never was, I lost a lot of money trying to do it, but uh, I, win some, you lose some. Yes, you do, man. Yes, you do. But so you, you go in with a good attitude, immediately it's soured, and then for five years, what is your thought? Is it just... I got to plow through this. This is how I'm making my money. This is going to be my stepping stone. Were you, once you got on as an actor, All were you that. happy? All of that. Were you happy that at least you were a, a talent on screen? I, paying, I, I, was paying, I had been out of work until he came, so I was paying the rent all the time. Uh, yeah, and I was with some um, basically talented people, and I was learning. Actually, I was learning a lot. Um, I was watching people, watching a particular Gilda. Uh, and John too, how they did stuff. Uh, that's um, like a master class in in yeah, improv. Well, I mean, you don't 
those aren't people that you could ever ask. To, like, if you wrote a movie and were like, my teachers in improv were these people, people go, that's ridiculous, you know? Right, 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 right. And my thing was um, to relax and allow stuff to happen and to agree, which I hadn't been doing, okay? Um, what do you mean agree? So, uh, Just If you throw something at me, like you're drunk, I go with drunk and do whatever. Okay, and they both say no, you're not drunk, or, something. or if I say you know you're not drunk, have something you're gonna agree with. You yes and yeah, yeah right, and then you take it and go go on. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but um, my 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 time in the other workshops was valuable too as well because basically um, you're relaxing, not looking for funny. It comes up, right? So in the black workshops, it wasn't that things weren't sometimes funny; it just would come up. Do you are you did you watch any of Richard Pryor's sketch show that he had? Are you kidding? Uh, am I black? Hello, you watched it, yeah. right? <laughs> which is what I was, which is what I was going to say. I was going to say. I was going to say if you said no, I'd go. Hey, look how white I am. I saw it. Where oh, are you on this? Who was the woman, the funniest woman on on his show? I was. Just, I'm just. I can't remember. I'm just thinking about this. Marsha. Oh, Warfield. Marsha Warfield. Yeah, yes. Dude, she's hilarious. She's hilarious. Hilarious. Yes. There. Yes. I'm just thinking of. But he. Uh, he was to me just a total genius, man. Um, <laughs> I uh, met him when I did Saturday Night Live, and at that time, uh, because I was fucking up, I was a cause to live among many black groups who had never seen Garrett Marsh. So they didn't know I had 17 years in New York before Saturday Night Live discovered me. Right, yeah, overnight. Then I had Then I had written two plays that I had, in fact, been a high school teacher at PS71 in, uh, on the Lower East Side, that I had 10 years of working with Harry Belafonte <laughs> as a, um, a, a musical arranger and singer, and that I had about at least 30 plays, of like two or three on Broadway. They thought I was just some motherfucker that Lauren had gotten out of nowhere, I had paid some heavy dues, but they didn't know that. So when Richard got to New York, that's what he carried with him. So basically, he didn't even speak to me, right, when he got there. Now, this is the man who, to this day, till I die, is the greatest monologuist I have ever heard, right? Because he could combine politics and comedy so that you knew he was doing Dude. it. You'd hear his stuff two or three times before you realize, oh, He's talking about the government, you know? Yeah, That's, I mean, I mean he, he... Nowadays, yeah, some great comic geniuses like uh, um, Dave Chappelle, like Eddie, like Chris, they do great ingenious comedy, but more often than not, you know they're at the, at the, at the government, right? They knew, more often than not, you know that. Yeah. But with Richard, it would take you, you'd be on the floor laughing at the joke You'd have to hear that record twice for me. Oh, wait a minute. He's talking about Lyndon Johnson. You know what I mean? But I mean, for me, when he came and didn't use me, he brought his own group. Didn't lose, use me. It really hurt me. Uh, wow, man. And to this thing, he didn't know. But when I got to New York City, I got an in invitation from Michael Aptek, who was doing a, a Richard Pryor movie called uh, uh, critical condition. Oh, yeah! <laughs> You're in critical condition! And they asked me to do a role. Oh, fuck. I, he never said, 
I'm sorry, anything like that. But I took it to this day to me. He, that was it. We are saying he realized he had been wrong about you. Right. right. Yeah, and he and and probably felt foolish for listening to what other people said especially in a world right. where people would talk shit about him all the time and he'd have to fight those rumors and he'd have to fight and that his shit. and his choices were challenged too yeah of course his choices were challenged too mine and saturday night live were challenged rightly so you'd have to disagree with me with my choices but challenging my esteem is something you have no right to yeah do. yeah challenging my belief whatever something you have no right to do you disagree with the joke okay cool but to tell me i'm not about in this case 100 percent 1000 percent dying for the sake of black liberation which i am you're absolutely wrong okay yeah because i had not only people on the on the and the naacp even wrote me a letter man what they say and here's the reason well, here's the reason why. You might agree with him when I tell you the joke. <laughs> you see, there was um, a show I was in at the Negro Ensemble Company in which the writer had a song he wrote uh, which was about the competition between the NACP, uh, the Black Panthers, CORE, SNCC, all telling the country that they were blacker than the other. Okay. Right? So his his song was called I'm blacker than you are, nigga. Okay. So I had already peeped that problem and thought he was ingenious to hook it up with something that would you can laugh at, right? Because I'm not about I'm sort of like Look, I, I'm almost like, what's his name? Lyndon Bain Johnson, right? Who lost the next election because he was not about just being on the right side or the left, right? When he, lost, when he lost the next election because he went to the wrong side and brought in voting rights and stuff like that, right? But I'm not a being a comedian who only criticizes white KKK people. Right. I feel like black motherfuckers too, who I think are dysfunctional. Well, I, that, right? yeah. That. So wait a minute. So me and Michael O'Donoghue came up with an idea of a black guy who hated white so much he didn't even want white teeth. <laughs> so we came up with a black toothpaste. Like that would black and your I teeth out? Like, Hell yes. Sure enough, people found out about it before we could even do it. And I got a letter. So they were pissed at that sketch. They were like, hey, this is... <laughs> what, what? How? First of all, how does that get out? How does that... You and Michael O'Donoghue are, write, are, are writing I, something. How does anyone... I believe it was from a crew member because there were two black crew members, one of whom I had gotten a job for he was one of the people who wasn't going to work that week if we did it. Wow. But you had written it. Michael, actually, that we came up with the idea together because I told him about the idea. He said, well, let me go write something, right? He said, Gary, what about uh, he doesn't like uh, white, uh, white toothpaste? I said, hey, that's great. So then Michael was working on it, and we actually started rehearsing it. 
And somebody on the floor probably called the NACP and said, look, this motherfucker's going crazy. Okay, get his ass straight. And sure enough, we got, um, I got that. They didn't mention that, but I knew what it was about. Did, did, and that sketch never aired. You never did it. No air. No. Did no what? Did was it? The decision was Lauren Michaels was just like, uh, we're getting letters. People are already pissed. We're not doing it. No, no, that was never said. It just uh, Michael came one day and said, "Hey, look, um, it. yeah, they're yeah." Man, what's that? What's that? That feeling has got to suck. When you write something, you finally get a good, you get a good idea. You got an idea. It's gonna. It, you got a sketch. It's gonna be. I, I, I. To be safe, I even let a white man write it. But, but to, to me, the okay. safe thing is that you also think it's funny. I thought I was being safe. I thought. Huh? I thought that. I thought the safe thing was that you helped come up with the concept. You know what I mean? Like, if as a white audience member, okay. knowing that you helped come okay. up with the concept and you're the actor in the sketch, I'd be like. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, white people didn't complain. It was the NAACP. And despite Miss Duracell, they're black people in NAACP. What's her name? Uh, Duracell? Oh, oh, uh, 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 no, not Dosa. Uh, not the battery, Gary. No, no. Duracell is the battery. <laughs> do, do, Rachel Dosell. Rachel Dozel. Yeah. The girl who pretended to be black, who was really white. For, Right, right, right. Well, now look, you know, and I want to check on, check that out. Look, there are a lot of white girls who do want to wear cornrows, but they don't, because they're going to get lambasted by white people. Why? Because suddenly it does translate their biology a little bit. But the white girl don't mind. A lot of white girls do not mind. They think of the beautiful hairdo. Yeah. So I mean, I don't really, really understand all of the. I do understand the. Slight hypocrisy. Well, yeah, I mean, but not the fact that she chose to present herself biologically. Oh, uh, yeah, the 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 presentation doesn't black, bother me. There are black women who perm, who perm their hair to this day. Black men too, right? Okay, nobody says nowadays they don't say shit. Before they get a lot of attention from the black community, but nowadays. It's about if you're a woman, particularly, you can do your hair any way you want, except black white woman. Ah, that's true. Okay, you're not both. If a white girl does that, but wait a minute. That I even know of a friend of mine. Um, yeah, a friend of mine whose um, girlfriend. No, uh, no, my girlfriend's uh, white friend. Right, a very abused lady who had a husband who was very abusive. No, my niece, my niece had a white friend who, who said, um, Sherry, because Sherry didn't wear the hair in cornrows. And the woman loved She said, How do you do your hair like that? Right? She said, She said, Well, could you do some? How much would it cost? She said, $300. She said, Come to my house and do it. So she's in the middle of doing it. Her husband comes in. That's for black woman. You don't do that. As if the hair is going to change her biology. Right? Right. But she was a very abused woman. Yeah. And she stopped my niece right in the middle of it. She still had to pay us some money. And the man really, he was like a racist motherfucker. He didn't see that as just another hairstyle. If you are women in general, usually you can wear your hair any way you want, except don't do black white woman. That's uh, well, I I mean to me the hairstyle isn't the thing. It's just how you 
how how honest you are with who you are. You know what I mean? Like the Rachel Dozel. I want to see you do cornrows, okay, motherfucker. Well, my hair is too wispy and too thin. Or or do drag? Do what you call it with the Rastafari? Dreads. Do dreads. I wanted I wanted dreads when I was younger. I did. Yes, I did. Yes. I did. Because because I was like into. He said he wanted them, Indy. He didn't say he wore. No, okay. I couldn't. I couldn't. My hair is too thin. It can't. It won't. I can't dread my hair. There's just no way. It would fall out. Any excuse is better than none, Janelle. Look, I I for my I have a um, a niece, Kate. Okay, come here for a minute. And then have him turn the TV down in the background. <laughs> Oh, the TV here? I can hear it, yeah. Okay. Lean in. Lean in to the picture for me, baby. Lean in a little bit so you can see. <laughs> see how it dressed? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, okay. uh, but right. was that done in a salon? Was uh, that? No. You, your girlfriend does that, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, her girlfriend. And also, can you turn the TV down a little bit? Oh, no TV. I was just here. I, I was hearing something. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. Indy. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. I'm okay. hallucinating. All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, well, to get back to SNL, though. Uh, oh, you talked about. John, I haven't eaten my breakfast yet. So okay. What? You haven't had your breakfast yet? No, I haven't. Why not? John. I got to my exercise at 10, 20 minutes to twelve. Oh man! So I had to for you. How, dude, I got I got up at four thirty so I could get everything in just so I could be ready for this. I'm just kidding. Well, I didn't have to do all the shit you had to do. I had to come and sit and talk. <laughs> exactly. Um, you talked about uh, Gilda being someone that was. Oh no, I know what I want to talk about. When I brought up Richard, the Richard Pryor show, when you were talking about the improv that you used to do being more almost dramatic in the sense and like comedy yeah, coming was, from this real life situation, these real life situations. Right. That right. was like, whereas, in, whereas with SNL, you're primed to make jokes. It out starts out from a wacky place a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It talks about from a place of making it funny. Throughout. Yeah. Um, there was, I, I'm just, I, that just recall the very, um, a sketch from the Richard Pryor show that's just burned into my memory where he comes home from work like I'm watching it as like a younger person. I'm watching this show and I'm like, it's Richard Pryor. So this is going to be hilarious, you know? And then he comes home from work and he's drunk and he passes out on the couch. And then his wife comes in and she's like soothing, like rubbing his head and soothing him. But then she like does this kind of monologue that's like not funny, but really moving and like a, a, like a kind of a description of that time and place and the shit they had to put up with. And it was just, it, I, I just, I was watching it like, well, this isn't comedy, is it? Like, I, you know, but that's also before I learned more about Richard Pryor and could lean into it. That's when I remember that that's when he was being totally political. And here's the first time he was totally political when he uh, had a joke, I think with NBC, CBS, and he told, CBS, he wanted to joke about how he got his job. Because remember, before that, he was jobless or had no work because he was so controversial, right? So this TV station comes up with a job, right? And in order to show what the negotiations were for this job, 
He says, I want y'all to let me show the audience how I got this job. And sure enough, he dropped his drawers and turned his ass to the audience. And they blacked it out. Now, I don't know if it showed, but that was the first joke he made. Well, on the on the show. <clears throat> that was the first joke. Yes. That was That's awesome. Joke. The cold open was like the Star Wars bar. That's a really famous sketch. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh God, yes, yes. Yeah. That's a fa- I love that. I love that part of uh Star Wars. Yeah. But that but that is that that idea like i just i think it's just interesting that where you came out of a place that was like dramatic improv you end up on a show with these kind of high energy goofballs and you see someone like gilda and you immediately know okay that's talent she's she's great how quickly did you figure everyone else out like how did you was it immediate were they all on was it like you know, I, this is someone I'm going to like, this is someone I'm not going to like. Wasn't a matter of, it wasn't a matter of figuring, because I didn't try to figure her out. She just presented in such a totally ingenious way. Yeah. Particularly when she came on the stage and started with that assignment, and she started it, and I said, oh, shit, you know? And I'm just reacting. Um, but I had an immediate uh, friendship with uh, some of the people, Jane, uh, Jane Curtin, Jane Curtin. for instance. Although I haven't talked in a while, but still is I consider her a great friend. Lorraine Newman and I talked. Lorraine, I see all over Twitter now. She's uh, I, I follow oh, her on Twitter now. Yeah, yeah, very funny. Yeah, um, Gilda, of course. Um, you know um, who else? Um, Danny and I formed a thing, and John. But I, I don't know. Uh, something happened with both Danny and John and me. Because towards the third or fourth year, it was almost like they became 180 degrees in another direction concerning me. Um, was that could have that just have been them just kind of like getting their? I think so. I think that had to do with me as well. Because okay. I was, you know, I was um, an asshole. You know, by the third or fourth year, I was an asshole. You know, in, uh, it just in terms of your fish. ego, or in in terms of. What do, you, what do you mean? I just totally asshole from a whole lot of stuff that I felt hadn't been, you know, because it would go four or five years before, four or five weeks before something would be written for me or something like yeah. that, you know. And I was an asshole, you know. I was reacting to it in a, in a way that probably I shouldn't, but my choice was to, because I'm, I'm an, in, I'm an, I'm a, um, what's the word? I'm an introvert, naturally. Yeah. So I resorted to my introversion. I didn't, one of the things you got to do is, for instance, you know that golf game they talk about for business transactions? Well, after the show, going to the bar to hang out with with the troop is that same golf game where you form alliances. Deals are made and yeah. Right, which I didn't do for like years, right? So they had to decide I was a snoop, um, an asshole or whatever. Uh, you know, anyway, uh, you didn't, that, that I didn't do. You that. didn't like those after parties at all? Those are like legendary. I, it's not, not so much liking. If you're an introvert, it's not about liking. Not, it's not know, being comfortable. Right. It's not being comfortable with, uh, but not that you don't know that. <laughs> but uh, once or twice I would go down, but um, for the most part, I didn't. So I, that was my choice. And uh, my karma was such that I... I yeah, I feel <clears throat> I feel that too a little bit just in the sense that earlier on in, in what I was doing in LA I was not about going out and 
hanging out at comedy clubs all the time. And like, you know, I had other friends and I would kind of like do my own thing and the deals were made and people were found and discovered and things happened in those areas where I wasn't hanging out because I was doing other shit. And, you know, it's just who I was. So I have no, I'm not, no regrets. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, because how's this uh, time affecting your, when you stand up? You mean the pandemic and everything? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it. I haven't. I've done three Zoom shows since it started. I haven't been on the road at all. Uh, I've been writing. I've been really trying to. And then starting this podcast has been really therapeutic for me, just because it gives me a chance to talk to people and see people and kind of get out of my apartment without getting out of my apartment. And then um, writing, just a, a lot more writing than I've ever done. So. Same here. Um... I just had my vaccination. My oh, yeah. I got another one to go. Yeah. Have you been? No, I haven't. But my mom's uh, boyfriend. White privilege, man. You ain't taking that <laughs> that shit. I'm too. Don't you know more white people are being vaccinated right now than blacks? And I take, hey, you my friend. I don't give a shit. Take that man. Go get yourself. Believe me, as soon as I can, get I'm getting it. Don't, yes. don't, I'm not even going to hesitate, but we got to. Now look, I don't want to cut this short, but I got to eat. So yeah. Anything. Yes. Yes. Yeah, really quick. I just want to talk, ask about how you think the show now compares to the show when you were on it in the sense that like, do you guys think, do you think oh, you're I more ballsy? Really like, do you think? I, I don't really like to do no? that. No, I've done it before and realized I shouldn't have done that. Um, it's just different. Look, uh, yeah, because when um, Lauren in 1975, it was like having a really ripe watermelon. By that, it was totally new. Nobody had been doing it before. And if you handle it right, it was going to stick out. Right? Yeah. And it had no real thing coming back at you. Yeah. Right? The backlash from white people was more, no backlash. It was funny. Right nowadays, if you do that same trip even on Saturday Night Live, you may you're gonna need a lot of balls, right, to really criticize Trump, for instance, which they do. Thank God for his name, uh, Alec me, Baldwin, who does it. Yeah, Alec. Yeah. Alec Baldwin. You know? Right, uh, and St uh, Stephen Colbert has a lady who does uh, his wife Melania. Oh, oh no, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Oh, you should see it. She does Melania. Yeah, um, but I, I, the, the comedians, you know, uh, I'm, a lot of them are writers, most of them are writers, but they have a writing staff too make, who makes choices. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, I, it isn't ballsy as, as ours was maybe, uh, but- But there were no expectations when you were doing it. Yeah, yeah and, and like, you know, when Tina Fey was in, I like what she did. Yeah, she's know? really funny. Yeah. Yeah, really funny. Uh, yeah. And there have been some very funny people, you know, uh, including people now, you know, who are in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just curious. That's a that's a good answer, though. That's solid, because like you said, it's not that you can, it, it's it's apples and oranges. It's like you were making a show back in a time when no one knew what the show was going to be or how it was going to affect society. Now we right. know right. with the internet, everything, that clips are going to be online the next day, that people are going to watch the show in chunks. It's not going to be the same as right. it was in 1975 right. when people gathered around their TV 
at 1130 on a fucking Saturday night to watch that show. You know what I mean? And now, now it's in your face. Way back there, if there had been an insurrection, they could have made jokes about it and nobody would have gotten it right away in their face. Now, those, those motherfuckers saw people break in with guns, with poles, with hang pence. Whereas Nancy, if you make real jokes about it, they're going to come at your ass. Yeah. They're coming at, they're coming at, what's her name? Um, help me, the lady who, um, Cheney. Oh, uh. Hey, I hated her father, what he did to Oh, Liz Cheney, yeah. No WMDs, uh, right? But she showed monumental courage in doing what she did. And the 10 people who voted, who said, no, he didn't win, are showing monumental courage. Mind you, when you have seen an insurrection, it takes monumental courage to say what you actually saw. Because there are motherfuckers who are so gaslighted, they're going to tell you, no, that didn't happen. Uh-uh. It's insane. <laughs> Don't, there, there are straight Kool-Aid drinkers yep. Cult. right now Cult. who will go to a Caribbean island with Trump right yep. now. Including that bitch, excuse me, you <laughs> just said her name, uh, they, uh, she's in there right now. Oh, she's the one who believes in, believes in. Q. Oh, yes. Uh, MTG or whatever her name is. Um, all liberals, I assume you're one, we're all uh, sexual predators yeah. who fuck children, yep. pedophiliacs, who are in a basement between a pizza joint having fun with Hillary Clinton. Yeah. It's a big party. It's that. a big party. They believe that. They believe that. Well, Garrett. <laughs> how many? How many? How, uh, this is your first or second, third, fourth? We, we've many? done uh, probably like eight or nine of interviews, but we've only put out we've only put out two so far. So, well, congratulations! And remember the states I say: Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, North Carolina, South Carolina. These are real specific. Bolo. Real specific. <laughs> And a bolo means be on the lookout, John. Thank you. Thank you. All points, but be on the lookout. That I get. Yes, yes. Well, Garrett, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Uh, again, it's... Hey, it's a pleasure. I love you. I love man. you too, I, dude. This I, is... feel honored. I feel honored that you did my club. Ugh. Okay? And I'm happy to see you. You're on your way. At Indy, I still question your uh, taste and friends, but, you know, what you going to do? I had, have him as a friend, too, so we're both... You know, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, All Garrett. Right. I really appreciate it, man. And both of you don't do nothing I wouldn't do. Shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. All right. I'll talk to you later, man. All right. I love, uh, love you, you too, buddy. Take it easy. Okay. All right. That was Conversation with Garrett Morris. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a fucking character. I love him so much. He's so the dude awesome. is a trip, man. He is a trip. He is very funny and and always, like I said, just a nice guy, willing yeah. to take the time to talk to us, even though he hadn't had breakfast. <laughs> I didn't know. Like I didn't know people that super age early had in the morning so late. That's what I said. I I'm like, dude, I I ate like four hours ago, man. How are you <laughs> eating after me? But guys, uh, Garrett's great. He didn't have anything going on right now in the sense that you should check him out here or there, but go back, watch old SNLs, yeah. watch Cooley High, 
watch his screen uh, test on critical YouTube. Condition. You have to check out. It's great. Definitely yeah. watch that screen test on YouTube. He does start it with a fart. That's really funny to me. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, SNL. The first five years. Garrett Morris. Mm, thank you so much for checking it out. And my Instagram is at J-O-N underscore H-U-C-K. And my Twitter is at J-O-N-H-U-C-K, one word. Yeah. Andy? Oh, yeah. I'm at Indy Fossil. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. See you next time. Yeah.